I want to take a second to remind you to sign up for the Poso Daily Brief. It is completely free. It'll be one email that's sent to you every day. You can stop the endless scrolling trying to find out what's going on in your world. We will have this delivered directly to you totally for free. Go to humanevents.com slash Poso. Sign up today. It's called the Poso Daily Brief. Read what I read for show prep. You will not regret it. Humanevents.com slash Poso. Totally free. The Poso Daily Brief. This is what happens when the fourth turning meets fifth generation warfare. A commentator, international social media sensation, and former Navy intelligence veteran. This is Human Events with your host, Jack Posobiec. Deliver us from evil. Former President Donald Trump just won his fourth straight Republican primary election. Yeah, we had, almost everything went right for Donald Trump. This was a blowout. Uh, a couple of counties, only three out of 46 carried by Nikki Haley, even though she was governor of that state. Now, he was tracked down and arrested Friday for the murder of 22-year-old Augusta University nursing student, Lakin Riley. Jose Ibarra had some run-ins with the law previously, and we're told by immigration and customs enforcement officials that he actually entered the United States illegally. Now, shortly after, he was charged with abusing a child. Government is financed by treasury bonds. And who buys the treasury bonds? Mostly the Fed. And how does the Fed buy them? By printing money. So basically, you finance the government by printing money out of thin air. Europe saw yet more dramatic farmer protests on Monday. Demonstrators in Belgium dumped tyres in the capital and set them alight. The road leading from the EU district to central Brussels was also clogged by columns of tractors. All this was just a short distance from where EU agricultural ministers were due to meet Monday to discuss how to respond to farmers' demands. Ministers are due to debate a new set of proposals to ease the pressure on the sector. White House officials tell CNN President Biden plans to meet with top congressional leaders Tuesday as $60 billion in military aid remains in limbo in the House. We don't need any rhetoric of, from people who, who are not uh, deeply in the, in, the, you know, in, the, in the war. So to understand it is to come to the front line to see what's going on, to speak with the people, then to go to civilians to understand what will be with them and then what will be with them without this support. And he will understand that millions of people have been killed. By our good friends today over at Angel Studios. Today is February 26, 2024, Anno Domini. Ladies and gentlemen, according to no illustrious less of a source than the New York Times, a stunning bombshell was just released today where 12, count them, 12 secret spy bases were built in Ukraine before the war. Excuse me. I was told that the war was completely unprovoked. I was told that the war happened for no reason whatsoever. Now, all of a sudden, the New York Times, of all places, puts out an article stating that there were 12 secret spy bases in Ukraine and waged a shadow war against Russia for the last decade. This is an incredibly extensive article. We're going to go through a lot of it in detail. But it shows how CIA units 
were embedding with and training Ukrainian intelligence, Ukrainian special forces, and direct involvement with the Ukrainian government, including, by the way, 10 years, and this week is the 10-year anniversary of the Maidan coup, a coup which Russia has said, and Vladimir Putin said in his interview with Tucker Carlson most recently, that this was a CIA and U.S.-backed coup against his neighbor, Ukraine, with the ultimate target being Russia. Well, now it turns out that the New York Times completely agrees with Vladimir Putin. Very interesting timing on all of this. We're also seeing, and I threw this up on X earlier, did you know, (laughs) did you know, that according to the New York Times, during the Maidan coup, an unmarked U.S. plane carrying the head of the CIA landed in Kiev. His role was to fuse the CIA and new Ukraine intelligence services into a regime to wage this shadow war on Russia. That man's name, John Brennan. Yes, that's right, the very same John Brennan who is directly at the heart of Russiagate. Do you understand, folks? Russiagate was never Russiagate. Russiagate was always Ukraine-gate. It was always about what the Biden administration, up to and including the vice president and his son, were up to in Ukraine. And they spread Russiagate as a way to try to cover their tracks. Remember, Hillary was supposed to win. We were never supposed to know. And now we hear, among other things, that Navalny actually died of a blood clot. That's what the Russians were pointing out. But Ukraine and their intelligence services started putting this out as well. What a complete mess. You've got faction infighting all over the place. We're here. We're going to break it down together. The Human Events Daily audience, you know you're used to being ahead of the curve. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Ladies and gentlemen, one of the best ways that you can support us here at Human Events and the work that we do is subscribing to us on our Rumble channel. Make sure you're subscribed. You hit the notifications so you'll never miss a clip. You'll never miss a new live episode, and we're putting them out every single day of the week. Good, I rolled with bloods, and then boys had a saying. You can't be listening to all that slappy whack, trimatazalitzabam ship, nippy bam bam, like human events with Jack Posobiec. All right, Jack Posobiec back here live, human events daily, going through this bombshell report. 12 CIA bases, secret spy bases that were built on the border of Ukraine and Russia. This was one of the reasons that Vladimir Putin gave in his speech declaring the invasion of Ukraine, where he was saying, from, your, from our perspective, you invaded our space, or you were encroaching on us. Um, the New York Times putting this out, it's, it's got a lot of wood to chop on this one. Tony Schaefer, who's an expert wood chopper in this lane of country, joins us now. Senator Carl Schaefer, how do you take this article, and, and I just have to say, um, I'm, I'm ready for our apology from the New York Times because now they come out and say that everything that, that Human Events and Tony Schaefer have been saying for the last two years since this war started was completely true. We're getting an apology, right? Well, well, two things. First, I'm a lumberjack and I'm okay, just saying. And then secondly, <laughs> relating- You work all night and you work all day? 
That's right. And and right, secondly, we've been saying this for more than two years, Jack. I mean, come on. Uh, this You pointed out yes, correctly, this conflict really has been going on for 10 years. And uh, the, the whole Maidan revolution. I mean, back when it happened, we were all kind of scratching our heads like, that didn't look or- organic. And it's just interesting. You and I, we've known each other a long time for the audience to understand. And I think we, we, we both respect the fact that when we see something we start pulling threads, and w- and those threads sometimes unravel a tapestry. Sometimes they take you somewhere. In this case, it did both. Uh, there was a tapestry of this story that this the, the Ukrainians just wanted to be part of the EU. Uh, okay, there's no tradition for that, but okay, we'll we'll give it a run. And of, tr- of course, you pull that string, and it's all the neocons, the the uh, the, the neolibs behind the scenes trying to prop this up. As, as what we now call the color revolution. It was all artificial, and it all goes back to this Russia, Russia, Russia thing. Look, I'm, no, I'm not a Vladimir Putin sycophant. I, I'm not a pro-Russian guy. With that said, Jack, I spent my career de- working to defeat the Soviet Union, which we did. And instead of understanding that the Soviets were defeated, that they were actually moving in a direction which would, I think, reestablish uh, the direction of their nation, they are a republic, they are a, a very strong a, 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 a nation with a lot of cultural history. Instead of accepting that, hey, they want to be the Russians without without communism and let them be Russians, we're now trying to basically break apart the Soviet Union, the Russian Republic, because they believe a, a diminished Russia that is fractionalized, balkanized, if you will, will benefit the EU and actually allow the, the European Union to become dominant in the region and overwhelm uh, Russia. And I think them doing what they're doing is, is is now showing itself to be what I just said. It's it's all out there, I think, in the media for us to talk about. So let me let me try to understand this because it's I mean it's it's incredible. And you hear these sweeping pronouncements. We're entering the third year, so we've just passed the two-year anniversary of this, and and they take you all the way back to the beginning. They, they take you back, and I love this. I have to read this line right here because this this is just, it's incredible to me. <laughs> the New York Times, by the way, they're calling this Operation Goldfish uh, was was the name of some of this, these these spy centers that they were setting up in, uh, in it's, Ukraine. It's better than Operation. Russia. It's better than Operation and, Gold Member, just saying. <laughs> indeed, yes. Um, directly from the New York Times. With violence escalating, an unmarked U.S. government plane touched down at an airport in Kiev carrying then-director of the CIA, John Brennan. So this is amidst the Maidan coup. Crimea, the, you know, the annexation of Crimea or the soft annexation of Crimea is taking place. Um, it, and it says that John Brennan's CIA was, I, I love this, interested in developing a relationship but only at a pace that the agency was comfortable with, with Ukrainian intelligence. The result was a delicate balancing act. The CIA was strengthening Ukrainians' intelligence agencies. <laughs> Tony, what is this garbage? Strengthening. So uh, this is this is poli- this is election interference. This is political interference. This is a, a form of coup d'état. This is a form of foreign policy. I do not recommend. Uh, because the the moment you break something, you own it. To quote Colin Powell, so we're you you see the the West, the United States primarily, the neocons, uh, John Brennan, Hillary Clinton, Victoria Nuland, all these folks 
Oh, by the way, do you remember they broke Egypt uh, and 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 they also broke uh, Libya? I mean, this is the right, foreign so this policy. Was just a that few these... years after, right? And this is right. Exactly, right. You're exactly right. We we've, we've talked about this in recent episodes, but this was immediately after the Arab Spring. This was immediately after uh, Egypt. This was immediately after Libya. The Libyan um, yeah. uh, uh, civil war broke out, which got us, by the way, Benghazi. Um, right. Then at the very same time, what was going on across the Levant from there? The Syrian civil war broke out in 2013. Right. And so, oh, we got to fund the, the moderate jihadists, moderate jihadists, Operation Timber Sycamore. And then they go, yep. they they skip over Turkey, skip over the Black Sea, go one, so, you know, one country more. And now you get the Maidan. So this was the culmination of a series of color revolutions that had been conducted right. that we can see by the Obama administration, by the same players, Victoria Nuland. Uh, Hillary Clinton had her fingerprints all over this, Eddie Blumenthal, particularly in in uh, in Libya, as you say. And then this was the really big piece, the coup de gras for them. The coup d'etat, the coup de gras of the coup d'etat for them was the Maidan coup. And the New York Times finally, after ten years, admits it. Yeah. So that's the thing. And and by the way, I wish we could get this right. Finally, how many times have have they on the left, the progressive left, the neocons, whatever you want to call them, they're all kind of a, a big mass of, of, of phlegm, of political phlegm, kind of hung together. What are we going to get to understand that if there's a string we pull and it, there's there's something to it? Uh, every time they do this, they always walk it up a little bit. Oh, well, it's a, it's a, it's a conspiracy theory. Oh, no. But, well, there's some evidence, but it means nothing. Oh, yeah, there's evidence. And yeah, you got us. We need to get ahead of this, Jack, because this happens over and over, and the the media, uh, the mainstream media, just goes along and, and echoes what they have to say. We need to stop falling for this, and you you just rightly pointed out, this was the 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 culmination of a series of coups that started in the Obama years, trying to upend and overthrow what even governments which you may not agree with. But they were, at least they were stable. At least they were doing things to help their people stabilize. Libya under Gaddafi was not a bad place. Their people were being educated. They were moving forward. Was he a bad guy? Yeah, he was. I'm not trying to say he was a, a pillar of democracy, but he did bring stability and he was trying to move his people in, in, in the right direction. Same with Egypt. Same with a number of these nations, Syria. Uh, we don't have to understand or accept, uh, uh, basically support the way they govern, except 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 the fact that they don't have a tradition of democracy. The idea here that we have neocons, neolibs going in and changing the fabric of society for purposes of of democracy, supporting democracy, is insane. It's not about democracy. It's trying to replace a government that seems to function and support its own people with some sort of a neolib, neocon, global government that's 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 derived from and subordinated to a world order. The World Economic Forum, and I don't, I, I, I know people are going to get upset because oh, this sounds like a conspiracy theory. It's not. It's all about trying to move the world towards this one world governance that that, that the World Economic Forum sees as as its primary purpose. Build back better in the form of a utopian dream that's put forth by Klaus Schwab and Jack. I've said this before. I'll say it again. Never trust a German with the utopian vision of global order. Uh, yes. Well, I, as a as a uh, as a proud Polish American, uh, yes, we certainly have a bit of history when it comes to the Germans. Um, but Tony, <laughs> we do. when it comes to this, when it comes to this this story, this absolute bombshell, um, 
what is your sense, and we've got a couple of minutes for the break, what is your sense of the sure. timing? Why release this now, right as it seems as though Ukraine really is at the precipice of completely deteriorating into attrition warfare? We're seeing the route of Adyevka. Uh, many of these forces that are coming out, uh, Zelensky has just fired his the previous head of the military. There's a lot going on, a lot of factional infighting. Why put this story out now? I think for two reasons. First, I think it was going to come out naturally. I think a lot of folks internally are just fed up. I think there were too many folks who knew what happened to keep everybody silent. And the Hillary Clinton uh, uh, assisted suicide method wasn't going to work to take all these people who know about it. So I think they they basically were facing the fact that Either they put it out and put it out in their spin, or it comes out in an uncontrolled way, and people like you and me get to say, see, I told you so. Now, it's got a nice veneer to it. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, this all happened, no big deal. If it came out in a more explosive way, I think it would have caused a more effect. And that's the second point. They want to control the way this is exposed so they can continue to ask for more money. Because again, Jack, the American people have been lied to over and over, uh, and, and now by the New York Times putting it out, they can shape it the way they want to say, yeah, we did this, but it was for the right reasons. Don't you understand? The Ukrainian people just want to be free. Well, they have never been free, and they're not going to be free under Zelensky since, as I remember, Jack, he's canceled the elections this year, right? He's not going to actually have elections right. because of the war. So it's all related. Right, so he's, his he would, his term would have been up later this year. I believe the elections supposed to, were supposed to take place in May. He suspended that. Um, so right, so we're, we're remember we're fighting for democracy, yeah. and uh, media media by the way is losing their minds at me because of because of me saying I'm going to overthrow democracy, and I said how am I going to do that? I'm going to suspend elections. I'm going to kick the opposition candidate off the ballots. I'm going to get rid of paper ballots altogether. I'm going to get rid of voter ID. Just look at all the plans that I have to get rid of democracy. I'm just coming up with this stuff off the top of my head. In fact, I've been working on this diabolical scheme for a long time. That's why I outlined it in my speech at CPAC last week. But no, Tony, you've been right on the money since we've started this. Uh, hold on one second. We've got a quick break. This story, this story is absolutely critical for everyone to understand. There is a reason the New York Times is putting this story out now. There's a reason the New York Times is putting this out. This is a CIA press release that you're reading in the New York Times, and you must understand why. Human Defense Day. You know, they talk about influencers. These are influencers, and uh, they're friends of mine. Jack Soelik. Where's Jack? Jack, he's done a great job. Jack Posobiec back live, Human Events Daily. We're going through this bombshell article. The CIA's 12 extensive network of shadow bases throughout Ukraine that it built prior to the war, training in elite Ukrainian commando forces. Let me just go into this one. Around 2016, the CIA began training an elite Ukrainian commando force known as Unit 2245 which captured Russian drones and communications gear so that CIA technicians could then reverse engineer them and crack Moscow's encryption systems. One officer in the unit was Kirillo Budanov. Kirillo Budanov is now the leading, the general in charge of Ukraine's military intelligence. This was the guy that a lot of people were saying potentially was about to be named the head of all of Ukraine's military. This was when the big push was for 
the move to an insurgency, the move to partisan warfare, the move to understanding that something was about to happen and that uh, and that the CIA was going to have the youth. This, I, I went on I went on uh, with Alex Jones. I went on War Room the other day. I was talking about this guy for weeks. And now all of a sudden, the New York Times is just admitting. I said this was the CIA's guy in Kiev. And now this now the New York Times just admits it. Tony, I'm, I'm like losing my mind over here because I've been called a conspiracy theorist for t- saying this is the CIA's guy in Kiev for all these weeks. Now, all of a sudden, they they just admit it. Are they putting this out because they're worried that what and I, I've said this for a while. This is my analysis that the, it seems like the military is slowly shifting into more control over Ukraine's government and that Zelensky himself looks like he's on the outs. Is that your sense of things? Yeah, look, I think uh, we were talking just before the break about why are they doing this? They're trying to get ahead of something. What I think they're trying to get ahead of is the collapse of the of the Ukrainian military. Uh, look, with Zeluzhny being relieved and Sersky coming in, Sersky's not popular. Sersky's a bad commander. Uh, you know, for better or for worse, Avdiivka. This guy was in right charge of the defense of Buda of 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 yeah. uh, Bakhmut. This is this. Right. He lost the mercenaries. That's not a good, uh, not a good feather in your yeah. cap, man. And so, and so, think about that, Jack. As, as soon as he comes in, Abdieka falls. He was told to hold it. Zelensky told him hold it at all costs. And then everybody starts saying for the headlines. Uh, the uh, the the third assault brigade, which is the uh, the, the 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 Nazi guys. Who were they? Uh, the um, the Azov guys. Oh, it's slipping my mind. The Azov guys show up and it's like we're not going in there. <laughs> that place is going to fall. We're not going in. So they, they put the best face on it and said, oh, we're withdrawing. No, there was a collapse. So, Jack, I think what uh, what the powers that be in D.C. now see is this could turn into a cascade failure in that others, like the intelligence guy, like these others, if, if Zelensky falls, everybody's going to be pointing at the other guy. And I think that's where it's all going to come apart. Because oh, oh, by the way, Sersky has joined the other party, right? I mean, he's now postured to do something politically against the ruling guys, against Zelensky. So I think the reason you're seeing this all come out now is because they can say, oh, you know, this is this is all this is all planned. We knew what was going on, and then try to bring it in some sort of a soft landing where they try to take, retake control of whatever comes out of the chaos that's about to fall in Ukraine. And I think there's a good chance that the government's going to fall within the next thirty days. Well, and and wow, Th- you you just said that that's a bombshell. That's true. It's a possibility I, that I, the I Zelensky so. government very, could fall within thirty days. All right, Mark. Well, look at what's going on, Jack. The they, keep saying, they keep saying there's no money. They keep saying that all the things are in chaos, that you keep seeing these these things falling apart. So I think it's a very good possibility. Wow. And that and that, of course, by the way, is directly tied to tied to why they're so desperate for the sixty billion dollars from the US. That's the only source of money right. they have right now, isn't it? That is. That is. And, and, well, that's the issue. Uh, no, no, so, no, not quite. So the Europeans have just said they're going to cough up 50, 50 billion. Okay, okay, what does that mean? And the Europeans don't really want to get into mater- material related to war. That is to say this humanitarian stuff. So the question becomes, Jack, is that money going to have any effect to stop what I think is the inevitable uh, continued de- degradation of governance of the Ukrainian, of Kiev? And the answer is, I don't know. I think that the chances are pretty good that, 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 that what, what it would take to keep Kev going is not in the pipeline right now. I think that's what they're worried about. Well, and, and I don't know if we, guys, I don't know if we have any of the clips loaded up because we weren't, um, uh, we weren't talking about this directly, but some of these interviews that, uh, that Zelensky has given over the, just the past couple of days, the past 42, uh, 48 to 72 hours, where it seems like he's, 
for lack of a better term, and I gave up being mean, you know, online for Lent, and I'm being very serious. I don't make this, I don't say this lightly. It seems like he's on some kind of substance in this. Oh, yeah, that's oh, right. I we played agree. the interview this or earlier. Guys, can we play this clip again really quick of Zelensky in this interview? Because it seems like, by the way, this is the better one. There's two. Uh, there's an MSNBC one that's even worse. It seems like he's on some kind of substance. It seems like he hasn't slept. This does not seem like a man who's well. Can you play that clip really quick, guys? Data, here it is. People who, who are not uh, deeply in the, in the, you know, in the, in the war. So to understand it is to come to the front line to see what's going on, to speak with the people, then to go to civilians to understand what will be with them and then what will be with them without this support and he will understand that millions people don't need any rhetoric yeah, so he's he's responding there we, we kind of clipped it up a little bit he's responding there to yeah. jd vance saying that he doesn't want to put the 60 billion forward and saying jd vance needs to come to the front lines but you hear the slurring of the words the head bobbing all over the place like he's muhammad ali up there trying to dodge some punches um this this does not seem like a man who's well no, he's not. Look, he's under huge pressure. He sees the, the collapse of his military. He sees the military of Russia making progress. And again, Jack and I, you and I share it. It's like, you know, we're, I'm not a fan of Russia. But then again, I understand that Russia has specific military objectives they stated they're going to accomplish. And they're doing it. So I think uh, at this point, uh, Zelensky has nothing left to try to stop the Russians. And he knows it. He knows it very well that at this point, uh, the, 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 the political situation with Zeluzhny, the former commander of Ukraine forces, joining the opposition party, the Russians, you know, making great progress, no money in a pipeline. This guy, this, his schlitz is gone. You know, it, it, there's no moxie there. So I think uh, as much as anything at this point, again, that's why I feel that, you know, we're looking at about 30 days of, of uh, Zelensky left. You know, that guy is under pressure. I think he's taken some sort of a psychotropic drug to keep going. It's just it just doesn't look good. And I think the catastrophic failure that that will be his demise will have reverberations up and down the line all through Ukraine and, and uh, the, the region. Do you think potentially then let's let's put that together. So what sure. this does is this sets up. You know, and there's certain heroes. So Budinov is someone who's not currently in Zelensky's regime. He's the head of the intel department, but he's not the head of the overall military. He was passed over for Sirsky. And I'm, I'm, I know I'm going through the names, folks. Right. Um, but let me explain. You know, Bannon's always They're like, tough, oh, tough don't go through the names. Yes. No, no, no. You got to go through the names. You got to go through it's the tough. names. Because here's, here's the key point, though. They are going to take Zelensky. And they're going to take his highest level officials and they are going to lay this at their feet. And they're going to turn yes. around and say, look, the CIA was out for 10 years and we wrote all this out. You know why you put out an operational uh, an operational origin story like this? Because the operation's ending. Because the operation's yep. ending and it's finally time to tell the story. And we're going to say we gave it our all and it was this patriotic mission against the the dark forces of the Kremlin and the Tsar, and we fought hard, but unfortunately, if it was, if not for this guy Zelensky, we would have. Tony, I think that might be what we're seeing here. Yeah, I think so. I think you're putting the pieces together very well, and so I think we'll see. We'll we'll know about 30 days from now, at the end of March, like you just point out, how right we are. We've been pretty close to correct so far. I'm calling this ahead of time, so I think we're still going in the right direction on this.
Now, unfortunately, though, when you go back to the United States side on this, um, we're not hearing any calls from the Biden administration no. for negotiations. Instead, they every time you talk to them about this, they make these ridiculous statements or Victoria Nuland makes their ridiculous statements saying that, oh, we're going to be able to take Crimea with long range missiles or we're going to what? Oh, so you're going to blow up the entire island, the, the entire peninsula of Crimea. You're going to uh, attack into mainland Russia. That's that's the play here for negotiations. It makes no sense to me. So look, I've been talking to the Reagan folks. I'm a Reagan guy, I don't hide it. I'm a Reagan disciple and I'm still friends and mentors with those still alive. And uh, Jack, that's what we've talked about. The, the Reagan folks won the Cold War, President Reagan won the Cold War without firing a shot in anger. Think about that. So uh, they and I are both mystified by how we're not actually pursuing some of the most effective tools we have or effective, trying to use the effective tools of diplomacy. Uh, it's all about shouting in the face of your adversary, not listening to their actual, actually their very legitimate claims and gripes relating to why they're upset and why they're doing what they're doing. And when you ignore that, you actually feed the frenzy of chaos. So again, I, I don't want to go into all the names, but I, I'm a, you know, I talked to a number of folks. They all work for Reagan directly. These aren't, these aren't staffers. These are people who work for Reagan. They were part of the solution and they're mystified as am I. And so I've said publicly, I'm saying it here on your show, we need to look at how Reagan won the Cold War, examine those elements in the factual light of day of how they were used, where they were used, when they were used, and take a page from that to understand that that's the only resolution I see that we could implement in some form. And I don't see that resolution coming until Trump's back in office, because these folks, Jack, uh, the, the Blinkens, the, the Sullivans, the Austins, they are all committed to, to supporting a fiction that they've established is based on political aspirations of the Democrat and Progressive Party that has no relevance or ability to change the direction because they can't do it. They don't have the intellectual capacity to admit they were wrong and try to figure out a different way to go. And unfortunately, as you say, uh, we're in a situation where there's people like Victoria Nolan who want to instead put their foot on the gas pedal and actually make yep. things worse. Tony Schaefer, I know you got to run. Where can people go to follow you, get your analysis, and dig into what you're up to? Well, just like now, Twitter, We were I just tweeted out our discussion, so I think people follow us both there. And then obviously Project Sentinel, projectsentinel.com and .net. Check out what we're doing to try to bring sanity to this chaos, Jack, you know? Someone's got to do it. Someone's got to do it, you know, and you know it's not going to be the people who are in power, the people who are over there. But fortunately, that gives us a lot of work to do. Tony Schaefer, Lieutenant Colonel Tony Schaefer, good to see you, by the way, the other day at you. CPAC. It's been yep. a minute since we've been in person. These, uh, this uh, remote world that we live in now. <laughs> I'll talk to you, man. All right, stay tuned, folks. And Jack, where is Jack? Where is Jack? Where is he? Jack, I want to see you. Great job, Jack. Thank you. What a job you do. You know, we have an incredible thing. We're always talking about the fake news and the bad, but we have guys, and these are the guys that be getting Pulitzer's. All right, Jack, we're back live, Human Events Daily. Folks, I want to tell you about today's episode sponsor, Allegiance Gold. If you're part of the Human Events Daily audience, you're aware of the disaster that the Biden regime has made of the American retirement system. Overspending and overprinting of money are the two main reasons American retirement accounts have lost 25% over the, la the past three years. What does that mean? You're going to have to work a decade longer or come out of retirement just to recoup your losses. Thanks to Allegiance Gold, there's a way to stop the bleeding. 
Gold is a hedge against inflation and runs counter to the effects of Bidenomics, Bidenflation. In less than two months, gold has risen 14%. Believe me, I know the power of gold and what it can do for your family's future. Whether you prefer physical gold and silver, or you simply want to protect your IRA or 401k, I highly recommend the specialists at Allegiance Gold who have the highest trust rating in the precious metals industry. You will not be disappointed. I know them. I spend time with Mark and Michael. Their relationships are based on integrity, expertise, and impeccable service. How do you go? protectwithposo.com today download my free wealth protection guide it'll tell you everything you need to know about gold and the strategies you need to use it to protect your hard-earned wealth or you can give them a call 844-577-POSO protect your retirement with allegiance gold and get up to five thousand dollars in free silver on a qualifying purchase call them today and begin your stress-free journey towards financial freedom go to protectwithposo.com that's protectwithposo.com or call 844-577-POSO my goodness, folks, this this article, it keeps going on and on and on. It says, I love this one. Uh, after a long, <laughs> you, and you have to read it. So you have to read it like this is a CIA press release, right? This is this is a CIA press release on how they essentially used the intelligence agencies of Ukraine to take over the government of Ukraine. Trying to build trust General Kondratyuk arranged a meeting with his American counterpart at the Defense Intelligence Agency and handed over a sack of secret Russian documents. But senior DIA officials were suspicious and discouraged building closer ties. The general needed to find a more willing partner. By the way, so you, you uh, just as, as a little background there. So DIA is U.S. military intelligence. CIA is the head of uh, civilian intelligence. So there's always been a turf war between DIA and CIA. So the fact that right there, uh, the fact that they're attacking the DIA shows you that this was largely written from a CIA biased perspective. Uh, so you're all, you're going to see them attacking the CIA or excuse me, attacking the DIA from a CIA perspective that, and now building up the DIA. So listen to this. And, and when I say building up the DIA, attacking the DIA and building up CIA. This is ridiculous how the lengths at which they go to this because this sounds like it's a passage from the Lord of the Rings. Months earlier, while still with the domestic agency, General Kondratiuk visited the CIA headquarters in Langley, Virginia. In those meetings, he met a CIA officer with a jolly demeanor and a bushy beard who had been tapped to become the next station chief in Kiev. A jolly demeanor and a bushy beard what is he, Santa Claus? Like he's Santa Claus over here? Is he Gandalf? This is ridiculous. And then it goes, it goes to the next level. After a long day of meetings, the CIA took General Kondratiuk to a Washington Capitals hockey match. What did they meet on Hinge or something? Where he and the incoming station chief sat in a luxury box and loudly booed Alexander Ovechkin, the team's star player from Russia. Oh my gosh, swooning over each other. Did they let him get to second base on the first night? No, no, no. The CIA was playing hard to get. The station chief had not yet arrived and General Kondratiak handed over to the CIA the secret documents from the Russian Navy. There's more. There's more where this comes from, he promised. And the, and the documents were sent off to analysts in Langley. The analysts concluded the documents were authentic. And after the station chief arrived in Kiev, the CIA became General Kondratiuk's primary partner. Oh, so they started, they started going steady. He started wearing their jacket. He started putting the letter on. They went to the homecoming together. They talked about going to Cotillion. They went to prom together. It was amazing. 
was amazing. Talked about talked about what they would do for prom night and whether they were willing to go all the way. General Kondratiev knew he needed the CIA to strengthen his own agency. The CIA thought the general might be able to help Langley too. It struggled to recruit spies inside Russia because its case officers were under heavy, heavy surveillance. For a Russian, allowing oneself to be recruited by an American is to commit an absolute ultimate in treachery and treason, General Kondratiev said. But for a Russian to be recruited by a Ukrainian, it's just friends talking over the beer. Amazing. Oh my gosh. This is, I don't even know if I can get into this. Okay. The new CIA station chief began regularly visiting General Kondratyok, whose office was decorated with an aquarium where yellow and blue fish, the national colors of Ukraine, swam circles around a model of a sunken Russian submarine. This is insane. This is complete. These are the people who are running the war. The two men became close. I bet they did which drove the relationship between the two agencies, and the Ukrainians gave the new station chief an affectionate nickname, Santa Claus. Oh, boy. Flew to Washington for meetings at Scattergood, an estate on the CIA campus in Virginia, where the agency often feeds visiting dignitaries. The agency helped the HUR modernize and to improve its ability to intercept Russian military communications. In exchange, General Kondratyuk agreed to share all the raw intelligence with the Americans. Now, the partnership was real. By the way, I wonder if, I wonder if this played a role, and I'm just, I'm just speculating here, but I wonder if the, any of this played a role in the intercepts, so jumping ahead, on the Russian ambassador that were pulled in when they got him on the phone with General Flynn. Because we know that that was pulled through intelligence services. No, it was probably just NSA. And he was picked up through what they call incidental collection because General Flynn was on the phone with the Russian ambassador, which of course was his job as the incoming national security advisor. Then they have this whole thing called Officer, uh, Operation Goldfish. And Operation Goldfish, if we can zoom down a little bit longer, the CIA oversaw a training program carried out in two European cities to teach Ukrainian officers how to convincingly assume fake personas and steal secrets in Russia and other countries that are adept at rooting out spies. The program was called Operation Goldfish, which derived from a joke about a Russian-speaking goldfish who offers two Estonians wishes in exchange for freedom. The punchline was that one of the Estonians bashed the fish's head with a rock, explaining that anything speaking Russian could not be trusted. The Operation Goldfish officers were soon deployed to 12 newly built forward operating bases constructed along the Russian border. From each base, the general said, the Ukrainian officers ran networks of agents who gathered intelligence inside Russia. So again, we were told over and over and over that this was an unprovoked situation. And we were told by the Russian side that the Americans provoked us and particularly NATO provoked us and that it was continuing and that it was something that they were asking them to stop, but that they felt threatened by all of the activity that was going on in their borders. Now, you know, you can sit down and, and talk about the, the moral implications of whether or not this is a just war. And you can have those arguments. I'm not going to go into that discussion right now. But what I do want to talk about is the geopolitics of it. 
because you've been told, the American people have been told a lie for 10 years about the U.S. government's involvement in the Maidan coup, and you've been told a lie for two years that nothing happened to potentially provoke Russia into the invasion, okay? Now, we're not saying that, in, that the invasion was justified or the war was justified. We're not, ma- we're not making any claims on that decision. But what we are saying is, in their mind, in the minds of the people who are in control of the Russian military, the planners in the Kremlin, what they saw going in on their borders got to the point where they said it was time to move. What they saw going on in the constant shelling of the Donbass region, in the city of Donetsk, the killing of civilians that was going on in Donetsk for 10 years straight, they eventually got to the point where they said they were going to move. And this whole thing about Tucker and the interview with Putin and the 30 minutes of history, that all informs it. That all plays into it as well. But you have to understand that this was going on not a thousand years ago, not eight, you know, not 800 AD on the banks of the Dnieper River. This is was happening in 2022 on the borders of Ukraine and Russia. We're going to dig a little bit more into this when we get back here. Final segment to talk about specifically how they hid this from President Trump. Hours. I'm always listening to Human Events with Jack Posobiec. All right, Jack Posobiec live. Look, folks. I know exactly where my food comes from, and I like knowing it. And with Moinkbox, that place is from small family farms all across the country. You can help save those family farms, get access to the highest quality meat on earth when you join the Moink movement today. Moink runs their business from a town of 97 people in Newark, Missouri, and they're helping save our traditions, our values, and save rural America with every order. Moink delivers grass-fed and grass-finished beef and lamb, pastured pork and chicken, sustainable wild-caught Alaskan salmon straight to your door. You choose the meat delivered in every box, like ribeyes, chicken breasts, pork chops, salmon fillets, and the best bacon. Look, when this thing gets to the Pozo household, Tanya Tay knows, we go straight for the bacon. We go straight for that cheese-infused beef sausage. I love it so much. So you can support American farmers by signing up at moinkbox.com slash Pozo right now, and the Human Events audience will get free bacon for a full year. One year of the best bacon you'll ever taste for a limited time only. Spelled M-O-I-N-K box.com slash POSO. That's M-O-I-N-K box.com slash POSO. Folks, we have breaking news. I know I promised we go through more of this Ukraine situation, but we do have breaking news. Alvin Bragg has now demanded that Trump be silenced with a gag order in the Stormy Daniels business records case. Bragg, this is out of the post-millennial, Bragg citing public and inflammatory remarks about the participants in various judicial proceedings against him as the reason for the gag order. So, of course, this is D.A. Bragg going up to Judge Juan Mershon asking about this. Now, remember, folks, this is a breaking story. But remember, in about one month's time, just as Tony Schaefer predicted, about 30 days from now, the Ukrainian government will be falling apart. The new narrative, the next narrative that's going to come back is that Alvin Bragg has put the date on the calendar that a jury will be seated in liberal New York City going up against President Trump in the very first of these criminal trials. Bragg now attempting to put an unconstitutional First Amendment muzzle on the President of the United States, former President Donald J. Trump, and not allow him to speak publicly 
about the proceedings in the first criminal case against him. Remember, this is this ridiculous idea that somehow the entire Stormy Daniels situation, yes, the old story of Stormy Daniels that has been around forever, they are trying to turn that into a felony because they're claiming somehow that it was an unreported campaign finance violation, this money from from Trump, which was allegedly paid to Michael Cohen as hush money for Stormy Daniels from the Trump organization, which they then claim was a business records violation and also constitutes a a campaign finance violation, thereby jumping it up to a felony. By the way, in in other breaking news, when it comes to uh, when it comes to court cases, uh, should also state that the rust armorer, so the armorer in the Alec Baldwin case, Hannah Gutierrez-Reed, says that Alec Baldwin, so her case has started, even though the Alec Baldwin case has yet to begin. Listen to this. She is saying in court, right, her lawyer is saying in court that Alec Baldwin is to blame for the fatal shooting of the cinematographer on that set and a gun expert that is testifying on her behalf, an expert that she's brought in, uh, this guy from FBI firearms expert Bryce Ziegler is saying that the gun that killed cinematographer, is also a post-millennial, the gun that killed cinematographer Helena Hutchins on the set of the film Rust in 2021 would not fire unless the trigger was pulled. This, of course, contradicting statements made by Alec Baldwin, who said the gun went off without him pulling the trigger. Hannah Gutierrez-Reed is pleaded not guilty in the case. So today is day three. I know Andrew Branca is doing live analysis of this case uh, over there in New Mexico. And so I'm very, very interested in following that. I hope he's doing articles because uh, that guy is a fantastic writer. And when he does the articles uh, on the daily analysis, they're very, very important. So this is a huge case for for all of us. Two huge cases coming in. Uh, Number one, the case, of course, on President Trump. Number two, this case on Hannah Gutierrez-Reed, which, of course, the outcome of which and evidence and testimony presented in this case will absolutely inform what happens with Alec Baldwin. Keep in mind, we have yet to see the actual video of the shooting of Helena Hutchins. I firmly believe, and I've always said, that there must be video of this because we know they were filming filming a rehearsal when they were doing this. She was working the camera. So it must be on film. And the camera, of course, was on Alec Baldwin. So if the camera was on Alec Baldwin, filming him with the record button pressed, as he, in turn, pressed the trigger. Getting back to Ukraine, I think there's a lot of things going on right now. I think the fact that Udanov and all of these stories about building him up as this huge hero, setting him up as this, bu- this huge hero for the new government of Ukraine, setting him up as someone that's been a CIA's trusted partner in Kiev for a long time, I think this bears all the hallmarks of, number one, they're, they're writing the history of the era. So if you're, you're revealing an operation, you don't reveal an operation that's ongoing, you reveal an operation that's ending. So they're revealing an operation that's ending because they know that something is going bad. Something is being absolutely deteriorated right now, and that's Ukraine's government. Tony Schaefer says 30 days. He says they have 30 days left. For Zelensky, you look. You've played those videos of Zelensky. We played it a couple of times. This does not look like a guy. I'm not going to say he's not long for this world, but certainly doesn't look like he's going to be in office much longer. I don't know if he's gotten the phone call yet, but maybe, just maybe, he has. 
Lottie, what can I say, man? You used to make people laugh. You used to be an actor. Why don't you go back to that? Pack your bags, dude. Get out of there before Azov gets to you. I'll put it that way. Here's number two, though. You're seeing this huge shift in Budanov's behavior because the same Budanov, who is the hero of this CIA press release that came out today, is now out publicly stating that he agrees with the Russian assessment and the Russian information that Navalny died of a blood clot. So what's going on there? Well, what's going on there is that he's trying to set himself up as not being connected to the previous administration, not being connected to Zelensky's lies, not being connected to Zelensky's failures. He wasn't the guy who was in charge of the defense of Bakhmut. I think we are seeing a potential for regime change in Ukraine. And I've said this for a couple of weeks now. I think we're seeing the potential for a military takeover of Ukraine. Plus, you got the Slovak prime minister out there earlier today talking about what? NATO troops in Western Ukraine. Oh, where have I heard that before? Human Events Daily. What can I say, folks? You listen to Human Events Daily, you're going to hear today's news two weeks in advance. Ladies and gentlemen, as always, you have my permission.